0: It's like a daily ritual at this point. You wake up, you think, I'm going to do a radio show tonight, and we're going to focus on the NBA, and it's going to be great because there's so many games going on. And then some way during the day, sometime during the day, the NFL turns around and says, nah, we're going to keep everybody's attention for just a little bit longer. And it happened today in the form of the same way it's been happening virtually every day for what feels like the last month Yet another mega trade Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz were presented by progressive insurance. And we will get to some of that NBA action. That's going to be coming tonight. As we are an extra 30 minutes for Spain and Fitz tonight, got a lot of NBA. We will get into, but the big news of the day comes in the form of a trade. And it was one of those moments that I looked down at my phone about 10 times and said, nah, I'm reading this wrong, which is usually the case. But this time, I wasn't. The Kansas City Chiefs have traded six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins for five draft picks. You just heard all the details in the Sports Center update, and the Dolphins are giving Hill a four-year, $120 million extension, including $72.2 million guaranteed. Sarah, it was a shocking moment here for everybody looking at the NFL saying, wait, what's happening next? Tyreek's gone?
1: Yeah, a big bunch of draft picks headed to the Chiefs. We'll get to the Chiefs' side of this and just how big of a loss we think it is. But for the Dolphins, everyone's saying the same thing, Fitz, and that's adding all these weapons is allowing the Dolphins to decide once and for all exactly what they've got with Tua. Now it's a costly experiment, particularly looking at the deal that Tyreek got four year, $120 million extension. Uh, but that's kind of what's necessary. And Adam Schefter talked about how this all came together today on Barton Hahn.
2: What happened was in recent days, the Jets and dolphins emerged as the two teams uh, that were most interested in getting something done with him. So they obviously worked out trades with the Kansas city chiefs. Those trades were both in place from the dolphins and the jets. Then it was up to both teams to work out a new contract with Tyreek Hill. Uh, the Jets had a deal on the table for him that I think he was good with. And then it was a question of whether the Dolphins could get there. And And the Dolphins in the end came in with a four-year, $120 million offer, $72.2 million guaranteed, $52.535 million is fully guaranteed at signing. And Tyreek Hill decided to stay in Florida, where he has an off-season home, play in Miami where there's no state tax. And so the Dolphins get another weapon on offense to surround Tuatunga Bailoa with, and the Jets obviously still looking for another wide
0: receiver. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. And, Sarah, I've found myself for years saying if you think you've got the guy at quarterback, you have an obligation to go out and get whatever weapons necessary to try and test that theory to see if your guy can be the guy. But even that feels a little bit drastic when we're talking about that level of money to see that level of superstar and to see a team like the Chiefs. Basically, you've got a tale of two quarterbacks here. You've got one side that says we need to see what we have in our quarterback and the Dolphins. So we've got to see what he looks like with talent. And on the other side, the only thing I can figure is you look at it and say, hey, we know our quarterback. So stinking good. We can win with anybody as our wide receivers.
1: Yeah, I, I think. And listen, I I want to focus on the Dolphin side thing because I do think there is that argument to have about the Chiefs is like, are we so, do we believe so much in Patrick Mahomes? And in fact, were there so many teams that focused on getting rid of our ability to use the deep threat and Tyreek in the same way that that we now feel confident that we've adjusted to a different style and and we can be fine without him? Um, I, I think I'm curious whether you think Tyreek can be the same guy with the Dolphins. Because a lot of people pointed out today, this isn't just about money and going to a team that hasn't had the success of the Chiefs. You've also elected to go somewhere where you do not have Patrick Mahomes. And you could call Tyreek his binky all you want, but you could also say that Patrick is is Tyreek's binky. Talk about a guy who can always get you the ball.
0: Yeah, but he's a guy that has such incredible speed still and such sneaky ability to get himself open. The, The amount of times I've just watched him break my heart over the last few years as a Razor fan, right? Like, I'm just watching a guy that you think is covered, and at the last second, he's not. Now, will that be a great fit with Tua stylistically? Uh, you know, that that's yet to be seen, but I can't imagine anyway, if you're the Dolphins, you're looking at it saying, now I put Tua with Jalen Waddle on an offense where I've improved my offensive line, and suddenly, bam, I feel like I've got a real chance to compete in a division that still has the bills, but everything else looks like it's wildly up in the air. If you're the Dolphins, you're saying, hey, 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 why not us? Why not take the Rams-like approach of saying, it doesn't really matter if this makes us a Super Bowl contender. Does it make us better right now to get to the next level? And that's what it feels like they're doing.
1: Yeah. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, talking about the big trade today in the NFL they keep coming and we're gonna get to that as well of you know you and I tried to hypothesize about it the other night what exactly are the reasons that this is happening this season across not just the quarterback position but now wide receivers and some other spots in the NFL is it you know cap space that's set to go up is it copycatting of of the Rams and, and what they've tried to do is it at all you know the same things affecting other industries where people are sort of Uh, the disruption of habit and and schedule and and everything else with COVID kind of makes people make rash decisions and want to change the scenery. All of that could be contributing to this. But what the result has been is an absolute shakeup across so many different teams and divisions. And we will talk to you about that because I know that you disagree with some folks uh, who are claiming that this now makes the Chiefs no longer the favorite Um, Ryan Clark uh, uh, was talking about what I mentioned earlier, which is the answers that this team is going to get about the most important position on the field in Tua Tungabailoa because of the weapons they've now put around him. Here's what he said on ESPN Radio today.
3: There's no gray area. There's going to be no way where you can say, well, I didn't have the pieces around me. You've given him everything he needs to succeed. And we're forgetting that Mike McDaniels, coming from that Kyle Shanahan tree, and the way that they can scheme plays, the way that they can call plays, and being able to kind of tutor and bring Tua Valoa along in that sort of offense, I think sky's the limit for him if he can do it. Like, that's going to be the thing now. Like, we don't have to guess yeah. if he got the pieces around him. If Tua can play, we going to find out. If he can't play, we going to find out. And, I mean, that's all you can ask for if you're an elite-level competitor, which I believe Tua Valoa is.
1: Vince, you got a, a prediction?
0: I mean, I think we're going to find out that two is pretty good, but that's not going to be good enough in this AFC. Like, mm. there's too many young quarterbacks. But as as I hear Ryan Clark say that, it just immediately makes me think this makes it all the smarter for the the Dolphins, all the wiser to do this because when you think about next year's quarterback class, we keep talking about there are young players next year that everybody thinks could be that sort of class that has a immediate star in it. So if if it turns out two was great perfect. If it turns out is not great, you're likely going to be looking at the draft anyway, which is mm-hmm. a more affordable way to get a quarterback, and a, that new quarterback will be coming into a system where suddenly he has the pieces around him, too. So it doesn't just have to be about Tua. Frankly, it could be about Bryce Young next year. If, if things go off the rails, there will be a different quarterback, so at least give yourself the best foundation possible.
1: Yeah, and fit, you know, we talked about this, this earlier, just th- the idea that um, there's going to be nine Of these great quarterbacks in the AFC that don't make the postseason, no matter how you slice it, no matter which division they come from, there will be nine fantastic or maybe five fantastic and four not so great. But like there's going to be nine quarterbacks in the AFC that do not even make the postseason. And when you look at the list, that is a shocking thing to think about.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's every single day seems to be a what's next shock and they're all going to the AFC. So I have no idea how it's going to work its way out. Well, as
1: as I keep saying, the Bears will be dominant. Justin Fields will have an easier (laughs) regular season and then they'll meet the Raiders in the Super Bowl. I mean. It's yeah. perfect, really. Yeah.
0: It, I, I'm all in for it. look a Super Bowl matchup. I'm all in for uh, for <laughs> anyone that didn't see you were hosting around the horn today. Uh, I always ask you this, but like when you hosted, you automatically win, right? Like yeah. That's just I mean, I assumed. think I
1: should change the rules so that I assign myself the Facetime every time. You, I really do. You think should. you
0: could do that and reality? Wouldn't reality wouldn't yell at you for it? right? I should like, I
1: should think yeah. about it. Yeah, reality's right. not here. It's my I'm the captain now. You know. Well,
0: while I'm sitting here trying to find ways to get Sarah in trouble for hosting around the horn, make sure that you check it out. In the meantime, there was a ton of action in the. NBA last night that has consequence. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. All right, if we can just take our head out of the sand for a second on the NFL stuff. I know the offseason is just wildly taking everybody's attention in what has been the strangest and most outrageous offseason I can ever remember in NFL history. But in the meantime, there's actual NBA action going on right now, and some of it has consequence and is surprising. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN uh, app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And we got some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that came in the form not just from us but from Draymond because things surprisingly last night did not go well for Golden State as they lose to a bad Orlando Magic team. And if you think that I'm the only person that thinks that, just check out what Draymond said at the press conference afterwards. It's
4: hard to win
3: a game getting pumped. That's kind of where we are right now. We, we've been, you know, you, you get to these games and we're losing a lot of fourth quarters, like not really losing the whole game. We're losing a lot of fourth quarters. No disrespect to the Orlando Magic, but that's one of the worst teams in the league. We can't match that with them. So if you can't match that with them, you are definitely not going to do it against a great team.
1: Yeah, it's fair. And, you know, their record without Steph Curry has been, I think, two and six. This is a team that. Uh, works well when their big pieces are efficient and filling their roles. And the lack of physicality, the sloppiness, none of that can be attributed to Steph's absence. He does not bring that part of the game to this team, and that's something that Draymond acknowledged. So it's not about Steph being gone that they aren't playing physically enough. It's not about Steph being gone that they're not running sets right, turning the ball over, making mistakes. And so while it, of course, is going to be a huge setback when they don't have Steph Curry out there, there are other great teams in the league that have managed to get by when their superstars are out. Memphis Grizzlies, 10-2 and two without Ja back in December. Phoenix Suns, 10-4 and four without Chris Paul. So the Warriors have to figure out how to get it done without Steph because we're seeing some of those teams in the West start to look better. And there have been question marks about this Warriors team every time one of their pieces goes down. You look at someone like, You know, Clay, there was such excitement to have him back, but he hasn't been playing well of late. Uh, And and I think there's a reasonable cause for concern that goes beyond just when Steph's back, everything will be fine.
0: Well, I think your point, too, about physicality is an important one because we expected, you know, Draymond missed a stretch and we apologized for all the things they were missing, but figured Draymond comes back, it'll be fine. That hasn't been the case. This team... Almost looks like uh, the Warriors, when they were at their best, had times that they looked a little disinterested. It kind of went into cruise control and still won games just by getting out there and shooting around and kind of being bored. It looks at times like they're just not in it like it just looks like they're not focused now uh, before the sky's falling they are 47 and 25 and they'd be the three seed in the west but this has as much to do with golden state as it does to do with let's say phoenix and memphis and even utah teams that are right around them in the standings that have all played right now that are all playing better right and
1: also it was the magic we remember it was the magic that they (laughs) need to figure out also speaking of bad teams the Knicks. Uh, oh. The Knicks made it close last night, 117-111 in a loss to the Hawks. But this was Trey Young cementing himself as enemy number one at MSG again, not only dropping 45 on them in the first time he's been back in the building since when he ousted them from the postseason last year and bowed to the crowd, but also afterwards when they asked how that noise at MSG affected him, if at all, he said, and it wasn't really all that loud. Uh, So he is just making sure that we all appreciate the Knicks versus Trey Young as one of the best rivalries in the NBA.
0: Yeah, and I've got to say this loudly for everybody that eventually thinks, oh, Trey with the Knicks. Like, Just number one thing here, if I could choose my NBA destiny – I want them never to play together. Like, I want Trey to become just the thorn in the side of the Knicks for generations We all want that. I don't I mean, know why it. you
1: even brought it up, Fitz. I literally eliminated June from the show today for unnecessarily <laughs> bringing up the idea that one day he might play for them. Stop saying that. Until a superstar chooses the Knicks pen to paper contract sign, suits up, and plays in a game, stop bringing it up. The, uh, Knicks,
0: the Knicks, by the way, quickly should send flowers to the Nets and Lakers. We would be spending a lot more attention – uh, time and focus on how bad they are this year and how how much of a disappointment they were if it weren't for the fact that there are bigger disappointments very fair. in the end, very NBA. fair.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We'll get to the Nets in a second because not only do they have a big game with the Grizzlies, it's starting soon, but there is some big breaking news that could very much affect the Nets. I really quickly wanted to hit on the Zion news, though. We saw that after a lengthy absence uh, from the Graham and elsewhere, we haven't heard or seen much from Zion as he was rehabbing in Portland, got back to New Orleans a couple weeks ago and made it back on the Graham last night with the three second clip of him throwing the ball off the backward going between the legs and then dunking it very impressive and very surprising considering last we heard he had not been cleared to do anything other than shooting drills without jumping and then today we get another video from a reporter of him dunking on assistant Corey Brewer so he is now cleared for one-on-ones and we're seeing him do these physical acts but Fitz, we know he's not playing this year And we know that he isn't fully cleared, so is there a kind of risk or does it even seem right for him to be putting on a show that was, you know, admittedly better than the entire dunk contest this year but could be dangerous?
0: Oh, man. Am I the only person that just holds my breath every time he dunks right now? Like. Uh, there's there's so much power with the way he does everything and we all know that I just worry about his body the whole time like it, it's th- there is no reason to post any of it because the hope it gives you doesn't matter right now and the cringe that it could cause wouldn't be worth it so he at this point it's like just stay invisible until you are ready to come out and do that in actual games until that happens I just uh, there's no good there's no positive it's I don't like know about staying invisible
1: I I, I I mean I think he can be around and be transparent and honest about his rehab I just worry about about displays like that if he's not fully healthy. I do kind of get it, though. I think he's, he's clapping back probably on any of the criticisms around him being officially ruled out for the rest of the year, and he's taking that opportunity to say, like, look, here's what I can still do. This is what made me famous. These are the clips that everybody liked. I just worry if, if you know, the order of return doesn't happen, right, it could be dangerous.
0: I, uh, maybe invisible for me means stay invisible in your rehab process, like it, in showing me highlights of anything. That's all. Like, But I, but I completely understand what you're saying. I, I think there is a moment where you want to clap back, but also you're never going to win long-term on a clap back yeah. you make now. It's no different than yelling at somebody on Twitter. Like it may make us all feel better in the moment, but it won't change anything. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, a lot of Twitter yelling going to happen as the uh, story we now have uh, breaking news that's come down this afternoon from Adrian Ward, Janowski, and Jeff Passan is that the progress towards further changes to New York City's private sector vaccine mandate has inspired confidence that the net star Kyrie Irving could be back on the court for home games at the Barclays Center in the near future. And the Yankees and Mets players who have not received the vaccine would be cleared to play at home prior to opening day in April. Sources have told ESPN on Wednesday. So Sarah, I think this is the moment that Nets fans have been waiting for, you know, sitting there holding their breath saying it's all going to be okay. As long as Kyrie's playing and this, at least leaves that door cracked open.
1: It does. Yeah. And it, this is gaining enough steam across multiple reports from Shams to ESPN, uh, that this is happening. And, You know, uh, I think we've all recognized that it's been incredibly difficult to be in a leadership position throughout COVID of two years plus now. You're reacting to science. You're reacting to a changing virus and strains. You're reacting to numbers that go up and down and science that is evolving with something we've literally never experienced before in our lifetimes. And as a result, we ended up with a policy that made sense and encouraged thousands to get vaccinated and boosted, but also had holes in it. That were confusing, including why entertainers from other cities and states could come in and perform and those who lived in state could not. And that is likely to be figured out and those wrinkles ironed out by this change. And I think that's for the best. I think it will be frustrating ultimately to see Kyrie quote unquote win, I guess, if that's what you'll call it. But he's already missed a massive chunk of the season and made quite clear his priorities. And people have made judgments on that, good or bad. Um, and maybe it does complicate things less to just head into the postseason and have all teams equal.
0: Oh, that's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Nothing's going to be not complicated about this moving forward. Nothing's going to be – easy to figure out as information continues to change. And I'm not a scientist, so I I can't pretend to have any of the answers in this process. I can just tell you that to your point, Sarah, I don't think the conversation is going to get any quieter. And at least if he's on the court, if it's done in the right way for everybody and uh, the city's comfortable with it, the government's comfortable with it, then hopefully we can at least start to get some answers on what it means for them. In the meantime, we'll get some answers on what all of it means for Major League Baseball with one of our favorite insiders next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio.
1: Feels like since the lockout lifted and MLB got back into action, we have been talking nonstop football, NFL deals taking over the timeline, March Madness, but we got to catch up on the contracts, the rule changes, and now a massive potential change in New York City that can make things easier for the unvaccinated Mets and Yankees. Joining us now to talk about it here on Spain and Fitz with Sarah Spain Jason Fitz is ESPN MLB insider Jeff Passon on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Let's start with... You and Woj breaking news together today, Jeff. Tell us about the expected change in New York.
5: Yeah, I think we call ourselves the mega powers, like Hulk Hogan (laughs) and Randy, or the ultimate warrior and Randy. Yeah, Uh, I'm getting all my 1980s (laughs) wrestling mixed up here. Good Lord. Uh, The important part, rather than dated wrestling references, is that it looks like Kyrie Irving is going to be allowed to play as soon as Saturday at the Barclays Center. and uh, that baseball players uh, on the uh, Mets and Yankees who are unvaccinated, and there are a number of them and a number of high-profile ones uh, are going to be allowed to play home games as well. And uh, I, I'll speak to the baseball perspective here. Baseball is an outdoor sport, so uh, it really didn't make a ton of sense to begin with, and that, that was what people in baseball were pushing for while speaking to New York City Mayor uh, Eric Adams' office. Uh, not, not for a specific baseball cutout or exemption, but uh, the idea that unvaccinated players could come into town, and as long as you're a road team play, but home players, it, it was just really inconsistent from the start, and uh, I think the recognition of that helped push this thing through uh, a, a little bit later than expected, a little bit later than it should have, but uh, I think this is in all's well that uh, ends well situation, because the Nets are going to get Kyrie back in time to try and play their way out of the play-in tournament, and uh, the Mets and Yankees get it before opening day.
0: We're talking to ESPN Major League Baseball insider Jeff Passan on Spain and Fitz, and Jeff uh, Sarah works with me. She's used to dated '80s wrestling <laughs> analogies. I bring them in all the and time, and also uh, you
1: not knowing how to talk. Yeah,
0: that's fair too. Like screwing <laughs> up the analogies. Like this is she's just you're sliding. Don't take my cake, Jeff. Like, that's all I'm asking. Um, I so you have an article out on Plus that I thought did a really nice job of breaking down some of the trends early on now in this offseason and money being spent. But what's interesting to me, you point out that major league teams have spent more than ever in free agency, and it isn't close. Why?
5: Uh, I think it shows that the game, at least financially at this point, is strong, and this idea that the players have uh, just wanted to get their fair share. I mean, we heard that for months during the lockout, for months leading up to the lockout. Uh, and frankly, it's manifested itself. And it, uh, listen, a lot of it happened before the lockout. Remember, there was about two billion dollars spent in free agency before the lockout even happened. Corey Seager getting three hundred twenty-five million, Marcus Simeon and one hundred seventy-five million, Max Scherzer one hundred thirty million over three years. I can go on and on, but you know, Freddie Freeman got one sixty-two post-lockout, Trevor Story one hundred forty. Uh, I mean, these are some big deals, and. It's because the expected revenue in baseball uh, is is to go up. And if it goes up for the clubs, then uh, at least if if history is speaking here, it should go up for the players too.
1: I'm just glad some of these cash-strapped owners found a couple coins to make these deals. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, bless them that they managed to get by. Except for, I guess, Tom Ricketts says he's going to arbitration with Wilson Contreras. Over $1.25 million instead of just paying it when he's a billionaire. That's a conversation for another time. Let's talk about the big contracts you mentioned, Jeff Pass, and which one of them do you actually think will make the biggest difference in terms of a team's future?
5: Oh, boy. I mean, Corey Seager is the, the best player uh, out, out of the bunch. It's why he got paid nearly twice as much as anyone else. Uh, it's a combination of age, skill set, position, uh, hitting ability, potential, um, short-term, I, I think there are two to point to. One is Max Scherzer. Uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom in the same rotation is just disgusting. And the, the New York Mets have good reason to be optimistic. Now, uh, if we look at some smaller deals that were done, you know, Kenley Jansen uh, for $16 million, I guess Matt Olson for 168000000 million isn't a smaller deal, but the Atlanta Braves the defending World Series champions have really improved themselves. Uh, and, and the other one uh, with I don't know if it's going to be the greatest impact because uh, they're probably not a playoff team this year, but let's remember playoffs have expanded by another team to 12 with a new collective bargaining agreement is Carlos Correa with the Minnesota Twins. He was right there uh, with Corey Seager for best player in the class. And uh, he ended up taking a shorter term deal, three years and $105.3 million that allows him to opt out after the first year. But Uh, I was in Fort Myers earlier today with Carlos Correa when he was officially announced uh, as a new member of the Minnesota Twins and uh, the smile on his face and the desire to to really uh, help build, uh, I'm not going to say even build a winning culture because the Twins have won uh, over the last few years, but to rebuild what they had a few years ago was absolutely evident and uh, Correa is a very good player to do that with.
0: We're talking to Jeff Passan on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain Jason Fitz, and uh, I'll be, by the way, first to admit that I work with uh, Sarah, who's far smarter than I am, as are you, because it took me a long time to even like I don't know bifur your bifurcation. I don't even know what that word is. I had to <laughs> Google it; had no idea what it was. Uh, that just shows you why. Did he you, could you could
5: you could you define it now, Fitz?
0: Uh, like it's separated into two branches or something, right? Like, so, like, it's two. Yeah, different. look at you retaining you information. Absolutely. Look at me. Well, you know. Listen, do you remember not, what ideated not all means? All of us, Sarah, can,
5: <laughs> not all of us, can go to an Ivy League it's school. Fair. But of all the Ivy League schools, you went to the worst one. Thank Very you. I appreciate
1: wow. that. Fitz, okay, did goodness. you retain what ideated means? <laughs>
0: Oh, I know, but it was—it's a, a fun word. We use that. We use that one for. This is what happens. I, I took us off the rails. Uh, so, Jeff, let me ask you. I last year I went through the Major League Baseball bachelor process on this show and. I came all the way down to one team, and I decided I was going to pick the Oakland A's because I figured they were going to move to Vegas and become my favorite baseball team. And then they went out and uh, haven't done that and also haven't retained a single person. Uh, So, like, (laughs) other than the A's, what team do you think has really, in this process, has basically hurt themselves the most?
5: Hurt themselves? Yeah. I'm going negative here. I'm in my feels. I mean, the. I, yeah, I figured you were going helped because you were going opposite end of the pendulum. Um, it, let's put it this way. The Cincinnati Reds have done themselves no favors this offseason. Um, they've traded away uh, Sonny Gray. They haven't moved Luis Castillo or Tyler Maley, but they did move Jesse Winker, uh, who's arguably their best player. They've shed payroll. They traded Wade Miley. I mean, the Reds are not good. Uh, they were an average, I think, 83 and 79 last year. And if they win 70 games this year, even though they kept Castillo and Melee and have some good prospects, that's going to be a surprise. So it's it's been a disappointing offseason for them.
1: It's Jeff Passon with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, before we let you go, we, we heard the news of some MLB rules, some expected, some certainly not. Uh, that includes that Ghost Runner starting on second base, beginning in the 10th inning of regular season, extra inning games, uh, expanded rosters by a couple of players because of the shortened spring for the month of April. Also, I, I was most interested in this new Shohei Ohtani rule with the universal DH. So if the starting pitcher is hitting in the lineup and then is removed as the starting pitcher, he can remain in the game as the DH. That's sort of a one-of-one one rule, but it might change the way that players train coming up as both pitchers and hitters. Um, and shows at least some progressive thinking, future thinking by baseball, which we rarely see. Which of the rules that uh, seem to be likely to be signed into application uh, in the next month or so seem the most meaningful to you?
5: I mean, I love the Otani rule because it means we get to see more Shohei Otani yeah. hitting, yeah. and that's that's a fantastic thing. Like I, I'm on board for that. Eight days a week, um, I am not a fan of the Ghost Runner, and. I got a, a bunch of my colleagues yesterday were crowning me on Twitter for it, but I feel like I'm, I'm speaking for the, the general average baseball fan. Uh, when I say you should be on second base, if you have earned your way onto second base it, not if you start there. And I understand it's to cut down on extra inning games and that's all well and good, you know, games that go into the 16th, 17th, 18th inning are can be problematic, but um I don't know if this is here to stay, but it's here for 2022 and uh, get used to it.
1: Yeah. You sound like you're talking not just about baseball, but life. You know, if you start on second and claim you hit a double, <laughs> we're not going to respect that. Uh, and and I agree with you on all accounts. That's why Thank some of you, us Sarah. have to, work that is, that is to get to Ivy League. That is
5: argument against this even, as I've heard so far. Even
1: if Excellent. we went to the worst Ivy League, we still worked really hard to get there. And we deserve some respect. Uh, it's made of it bits. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Passan, as always, for your insight and for taking unnecessary shots at a fine institution that has the uh, the lowest graduation rate of any Ivy. Because we don't have gentlemen's grades, we actually have to work our way out oh my and God. learn. Anyway, we've lost track you of time. You left me with this for the rest of the night, Jeff. Thank and you. And focus. Bye, Jeff. We love you.
5: Bye, Jeff. I love you too. Sorry, Fitz. Not sorry. Yeah.
1: Don't get me started defending my. I'll be a mama bear over here, Mama Red. Big red bear. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We gotta hit some quickies. Next. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with the ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, you can tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Busy day today. By the way, we've got an extra half hour before taking you into some NBA action tonight. Bonus so you can time! Enjoy the bonus time But we still have too much show to get into two and a half hours. So we got to get it all in the only way we know how. Quickies.
4: Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast.
1: Start with the shocking news that broke last night as the world number one. Ash Barty posted a video to her Instagram announcing her retirement at the age of 25. This is shocking, not just because of her age, but she's been the number one in the world for the last 114 straight weeks. She won 25 of her last 26 matches, three of her last four events, and despite winning millions and finding a lot of success, she's just 25, fits. Are you surprised?
0: Yeah, I'm surprised on the one hand, but on the other hand, I look at it and say, man, I don't know. Like, if I was 25 and I had worked my tail off, for years and years and years and, and achieved the top of my game and knew that I had the generational wealth to not have to worry about it. But I want to keep pressing at that level? I mean, I, I do think that there's some portion of this that we have to remember that, you know, especially with the rising generation of kids right now, they have different sets of priorities at times. So, you know, 25 years old and you're looking around and – you sit down and you realize you don't have to do it. You don't have to be defined by it. I, As somebody that went through multiple chapters in my life trying to figure out what I love, I always respect somebody that looks at it and says, it doesn't matter that I'm successful here. I want to step out and figure out what else is in life for me. So good for her for having the strength and courage to do that and not half-ass the rest of her career if she's not really into it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Has already made over $23 million, uh, won three major singles titles, and is able to make a decision about her own happiness, competitive drive, balance, etc. Um, Renee Stubbs, ESPN tennis analyst, was on SportsCenter today and talked about the early retirement. As someone who's dominating the game over the last couple of years, to uh, call it quits, very surprising. Um, but on the other hand, knowing her, I- I'm not surprised at all. But I just think not needing to feed her ego constantly is one of the reasons why she's able to step away from this talk about mic drop and walking out at the top of the game. I mean, I don't think there's many that have done it um, more significantly than she has worth noting fits at one point earlier in her career, she did step away from tennis for a full two years where she played cricket professionally. So <laughs> decent athlete, um, back in Australia, then picked up a racket and returned to tennis. So Maybe there's a chance for a return. And I know Maria Shriver said earlier she would not be surprised to see her step back into the tennis realm, that she does not trust a single tennis retirement. Uh, so we'll wait and see. But I think good honor her if, if she's able to make this decision from a good space. And I also think it's pretty hard to completely separate this from the larger conversation we've been having about specifically women's tennis. And I truly think as the research continues into social media and its effects on people years from now, we will look back and recognize how much we underestimated the intense toll and pressure there is on public athletes right now, particularly those of an age that never experienced life before social media era and understanding the the grave effects it can have on some people being judged and having referendums given to them literally every single day.
0: And and I think it, it, through all of what we should be rooting for from our favorite athletes is to have peace and love mm-hmm. for what they do. I also think, at least in my personal experience, the number of musicians I know that wake up one day when they're in their 20s and realize that they're not going to work again or don't have to work again, it it, it feels freeing for a little bit. And then you wake up one day and you're like, God, I I need right. purpose. And then so, you're Tom Brady. Right. So suddenly <laughs> you got to find that purpose. So hopefully she knows exactly what she wants to do with that.
1: All right. Next story. Quickies. Uh, this is a quick one, just a quick update on Brittany Greiner. She was able to meet with U.S. officials for the first time since being detained in Russia in early February. U.S. consular officials had announced recently that they had not actually been allowed to see her, despite Russian officials claiming uh, the contrary. And so, thankfully, an official was able to verify that Brittany is doing as well as can be expected and that they are continuing to work with her legal team and broader network. But, you know, people have been uh, stating both directly to me and 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 more broadly on social media that they're disappointed in the coverage and why isn't this front page news and yada yada. And I think it's worth reminding people yet again that the reason that this has not been covered too extensively is because there is a fear of it becoming politicized. And that would be a much more dangerous path for her than going through the criminal system. There is a burden of proof in, in Russia. There is a, a legal system that, albeit scary and not always completely uh, plain is a safer choice than making her the face of some sort of political statement and that's why coverage has been pretty muted
0: yeah yelling and screaming about this might make us feel better here but it doesn't make her situation better and i would recommend people go check out the espn daily podcast that has covered some of these issues really well particularly that reminds us all this is a smart and nuanced conversation that requires everybody step back and listen as much as they speak to know what we should do and how we should do it
1: yeah all right next story Quickies. This is pretty cool, and if you remember Fitz, since the beginning of NIL, I have uh, kind of clapped back, me and, and plenty of others that are well-versed in women's college sports, clapped back at the idea that NIL would be bad for female athletes. In fact, across the board, there are a number of sports where you reach your peak earning power while you are an NCAA athlete, especially something like softball, while there are, all, are pro leagues like Athletes Unlimited and former Leagues here in the U.S., the awareness around that is not nearly as high as the Women's World Series, which is the women's softball, the fastest growing sport in all of NCAA and now the third highest moneymaker only behind men's football and basketball. So you look at all those opportunities and the players that had been denied, NIL is a way for plenty of female athletes to make that difference in a way that that is is already been notable for so many and now even more so with this new adidas announcement it just came out today they are the first major sports brand to have a wide sweeping equitable and inclusive nil network every student athlete at a d1 adidas partner school eligible to do so under the rules of their school and their location could become a paid affiliate brand ambassador. So that's over fifty thousand student athletes across all sports and genders. They sent out some cool stuff today that had the, you know, short line that is the basis of the Title IX law that was passed. And it is the 50th anniversary this year. And uh, you know, more is possible. And I think it's really cool that they're stepping up to the plate this way.
0: Uh, Really well explained to you, by the way, for a lot of people that have questions, there are some NIL regulations that prevent, for example, if you're going to a Nike school, not every athlete then could then turn around and do something with that. So, uh, you know, there there are some legislation pieces in place for that or some, I should say, some criteria there. Uh, But the number one part of this to me is that this is the moment for everybody that wants to support nil and wants to support women's sports to go out and support adidas like this is what we always say put your money where your mouth is for brands and this is a wildly wonderful opportunity for all of us to turn around and say hey this company's doing business the way it should be done, so let's go out and spend our money with them. It's a very simple solution to turn around and reward Adidas for what they're doing for women's sports right now. It's simple to me.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this for a number of brands lately. Michelob Ultra made that commitment to an equal amount of money going to male and female athletes across marketing and ad campaigns and such. And we actually will see the more as possible campaign for this Adidas in the uh, T-shirts worn by Adidas women's and men's teams for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four and championship tournament games. Also some different equality initiatives around the anniversary of Title IX. I am here for it. And again, I am here for NIL helping particularly female student-athletes and, and really any student-athletes as we try to level what has been a horrifically unequal playing field for those making millions and billions off of collegiate sports and then the actual laborers Um I know there are some who are deeply invested in the system remaining the same who are looking around at NIL deals and saying, well, it's gone. You know, amateurism's gone. This is going to be minor leagues. And then there are the rest of us thinking, shrug, if that's the case, to make it so that we don't have this inequity, um, evolve or die, I guess. Tyreek Hill headed to the Dolphins. Talk about it next.
0: I've spent most of the last several days as a Raiders fan telling people the tough news that even though the Raiders have made big acquisitions, even though the Chargers have gone out there and been aggressive, and even though the Broncos have gotten themselves a quarterback, none of it matters because the chiefs are still the best team in the division today. That changed and it changed drastically. Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM. Channel Ladies Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance, offering coverage options as unique as your business. Progressive covers companies of many sizes and specialties. Learn more at Progressive Commercial com. Sarah, I'm just sitting there going about my day, getting, you know, just getting a little breakfast, having a little coffee, getting ready to do my weekly phoner that I do with the ESPN affiliate in Las Vegas. So I open up Twitter and I'm thinking not much is going to be happening this early in the morning, only to see the big, huge, massive breaking news that Tyreek Hill has been traded to the Miami Dolphins for a bevy of, of draft picks, five different picks involved overall, and that he's been given a massive contract by Miami. And all I kept thinking in that moment is not only did the Raiders sign Devontae Adams, trade for Devontae Adams, and give him a big contract, they gave him a contract that was so big the Chiefs had to look at it with Tyree Kill and say, yeah, we're not topping that. They actually made their division rival worse through acquiring their own wide receiver.
1: Right, and that was something they absolutely never could have planned for. like, no. And the amount of celebrating you were doing before any of this even happened, I can only imagine the grin on your face today.
0: Oh, I mean, this is this is one of those moments. And look, I've had a lot of people point out my own words, which are don't pay a wide receiver draft one. And I think that's true. But I've also said every time I've said that there are a couple of exceptions. To me, Tyreek Hill is one of those exceptions. You're talking about the third most targets in the NFL last year, the third most receptions. In the NFL last year, you're talking about somebody that forces defenses to look at everything differently. So, so much of what Kelsey's been able to do over the middle or whoever the other wide receiver is on the roster that year happens because you have to account for Tyreek Hill, no matter where he is on the field, no matter what he's doing on the field. And that's why to me, I I know we all love Patrick Mahomes and I'm the, the first to admit he is still in my mind. I think the best quarterback in the NFL right now for one season, I need one guy. I'm going Mahomes, but you still have to have players around him no matter how good your quarterback is, and they made their job more difficult by getting rid of Tyreek Hill today.
1: Completely agree, and we mentioned this earlier. Do the Chiefs feel a little more confident in this decision because they watched how teams shut down the deep threat for a majority of the season and forced Patrick Mahomes to be willing to dink and dunk and to adjust offensively? Do they feel better about that because he hasn't been quite as much of a threat as he was during the years um, when he was the most dominant weapon for Mahomes. I don't know if you can, because worth noting that he still accounted for 44% of the receiving yards by their wide receivers last season. He still had a single-season record in receptions last season. He was the guy for Patrick Mahomes when Mahomes had an MVP season and they won the Super Bowl. Um, Of his 179 touchdown passes in his career – 146 of them have come with Tyreek Hill on the field.
0: My God.
1: That's not to Tyreek, but he has been on the field either receiving them or creating enough of a attention from the opposing team to open up separation for other targets. So, you know, you could say all you want. We are confident that Patrick Mahomes will make somebody else great. It's a little tougher to say with someone who has the physical attributes of Tyreek because you just know that speed is next level.
0: Now, obviously, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, you've heard my opinion. Ryan Clark, though, doesn't agree. Our great ESPN NFL analyst had this to say about why he thinks the Chiefs are still tops.
3: For the last four years, they have been head and shoulders above everyone in that division. And now that division has gotten better. Now that division has the Derek Carrs, the Justin Herberts, the Russell Wilsons in it. Now these teams that you look at the skilled players that Denver had and you say, you know what, they didn't necessarily play up to their potential because they were playing with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. They have Russell Wilson, so we expect. Um, the Raiders have added Chandler Jones defensively opposite Max Crosby. They get Rocky Sin from the Indianapolis Colts. They add Devontae Adams. You think Josh Jacobs, Hunter Riverford, Derek Carr, that's going to be perfect. Darren Waller, they're going to be better. The Los Angeles Chargers defensively, adding a J.C. Jackson, adding a, adding a Khalil Mack. But until these guys get on the field, we don't truly know. So until something's different and somebody's a better quarterback in the AFC West than Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs right now are still king until proven otherwise.
0: Hmm. And I just – I think a big part of what R.C. just mentioned there were the defensive acquisitions. And one thing the Chiefs have been able to get away with – is being okay defensively because they figure out a way around it when you've got Patrick Mahomes. If you took the the jersey off the chest of the Chiefs and you put that same defense with a lesser respected brand, I don't think they're getting as much hype. So uh, all of those teams that RC just mentioned and those acquisitions acquisitions he mentioned when it comes to the defensive side of the ball are why I think the Chargers are the team to beat in the AFC West. It's why the, the job for the Raiders just got much better, uh, much easier coming into this year because now you've got two guys that can get after the quarterback you've got guys in the back you think can cover and you don't have to account for Tyree Kill that makes
1: things easier yeah I I mean I agree that this certainly doesn't help the Chiefs who have already lost a couple pieces like Teron Matthew that they have to figure out Um, and this is something over the last couple years we've talked about as a potential outcome of Patrick Mahomes contract and also at one point we talked about them having an embarrassment of riches at the weapons, right? that this is an overwhelming number. If they were to lose one or two, they still are stacked. And I don't know if we see it that way as we've watched the division change around them, not to mention the AFC, the entire conference change around them. I also, though, agree with RC's point that the hypothetical idea of a team means nothing until they're out on the field together. And underestimating Mahomes' ability without Tyreek, underestimating the ability of some of their upcoming receivers that they still have, to start to fill in some of the holes with Tyreek not out on the field. I think there is it is fair to say you need to see all of this play out because, yeah, the Chargers sound great, and what we saw at the end of last season was really impressive. But until they actually put it into practice, until, as our, our friend Stu Stugatz would say, they do it in the postseason, you're assuming a lot to put them ahead of a team that has been in the mix for the last three seasons, winning it once, making the Super Bowl another time and barely losing to not make it again.
0: No, and I think that also leads us to a little bit of the draft conversation because we've talked even in this show over the last few days about how aggressive teams have had to be with quarterbacks, specifically because there isn't a lot of help there this year. And maybe part of the reason the Dolphins, as we mentioned earlier, were aggressive getting another weapon for Tua Tagovailoa is that if he's not the guy, next year's quarterback class gives you the answer. Well, the one thing – the Chiefs can look around and say is, hey, this is a stacked wide receiver class, right? So there are going to be very, very good wide receivers available. Will there be a Tyreek Hill? No, but will there be, most likely no, but will there be a good wide receiver that can come in and have a bigger impact than some teams could get out of that player because they have Mahomes? Maybe. So there is some sound overall business logic to building your Lego castle with these pieces instead of one massive block.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean... Man Fitz I you know the more that we try to look across the landscape I think this is going to be the most difficult preseason for us to predict even more difficult than the one that saw me lose to you by like one point Mm -hmm. and caused me to attempt to do a polar plunge fail miserably and end up having to take a cold shower instead I think this will be the most difficult football season in years and if you remember last season already We had about eight teams midseason that we would not have been shocked to see in the Super Bowl, and I don't think we were even counting the Bengals at that point. And this season, we're going to look across the landscape and have any freaking clue what any of these teams are going to look like with (laughs) brand-new quarterbacks, completely different weapons, different coaches, different divisions. I mean, I am already salivating over the content of, like, the question marks and the answers that we're going to be looking for.
0: The one thing that I think I'll, I, I'm just going to keep reminding myself over the next few months is that we've watched most AFC teams go all in this year on you got to get better somehow, some way, whatever you can do, even if it means you mortgage the future, you go get better. The one exception to that has been the chiefs that have turned around and said, no, we were already good. So we're going to get ourselves. We might be a little worse this year, but we still believe that we're better than all of you when it's said and done. And we've set ourselves up for the future there. It it will be interesting to see because this is one of those trades that will truly take a few years to get figured out Mm -hmm. on how it was won and where the benefit was. But man, if this works out for the chiefs, we will be celebrating it for a very long time. If it doesn't, now they'll, we'll start to have those rumblings you know inevitably we have of, have they gotten enough out of their superstar 100%. quarterback? Like, There's no in-between Well, and it.
1: can you at least give me the credit of constantly being aware of our prisoner of the moment takes in this industry and calling out in good take, hot takes, any number of times the folks who had already projected onto Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs five, six Super Bowls.
0: Oh, God, yeah. Do you remember that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's get to number two first, folks.
0: Yeah, which looks like it just got much more difficult. Speaking of difficult, trying to figure out the NFL has been maddening, but not quite as strange as trying to figure out what's going on in the NCAA tournament. Sweet 16 starts tomorrow. We'll get you caught up on who the favorites are in our eyes now. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I know you're trying to forget your bracket, but there's still basketball to happen. There's plenty of Sweet 16 action about to take place, and now you're trying to sort through a wild week and figure out who's any good, who's left, and how you can salvage some level of pride based on whatever you put together for the men's and women's brackets. We will help you do that, sort of. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, series XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive In- uh, Insurance. And don't forget – the college basketball season winding down. That means we must turn our attention to the Wendy's Wooden Watch. Go to ESPN.com and search "Wooden Watch" for the list of Wooden Award nominees to watch as this season rolls on. Brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness, and it is a delight. So unlike my bracket, Sarah, which is absolute just—I mean, glorified toilet paper. That's really what I'm throwing out <laughs> here. It's just glorified toilet paper. A Most rougher, of I'm, uh, not, yeah, that is soft. Yeah, that is one. So the, there's the really only one area that I spend a lot of money on, and that's like toilet paper. Like, that's the one thing that I, I want to be soft and, and, and cushy. You know, that's, that's, and that's, PS5s. it. For me. well, I mean, the, the, every once in a while, a video game system every five years for myself mm-hmm. is not really splurging. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, uh, for, For the guy that gets my clothes at, you know, Goodwill. So, uh, in the meantime, which Twitter reminds me every time (laughs) I'm on TV, uh, my final four is basically like one side's just not even like I had Tennessee-Auburn on one side. It's gone. The other side, I got Gonzaga versus Purdue. So, I've at least got a little bit of a shot there. But I don't feel very good about it because, frankly, I took Purdue to be in the championship game. And Gonzaga has done what I didn't think they could do. They've handled the pressure. They've been down. They've looked bad at times. And they've been able to vault through that and play just fine, which I think is in and of itself a statement when you've been a team that everybody says you can't handle the moment and win it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's certainly been the teams that we spent a lot of the time before the tournament talking about who has the most pressure. But I think that that can sometimes shift within the tournament. I would argue that there's maybe more pressure on Duke now that they've proved themselves than there was at the beginning of the tournament when a lot of people were sort of dogging them and not saying that they had a shot. Um, whereas you, you got a Gonzaga team that came out not looking that great and has powered through that. I, I think every year because of their historical shortcomings, when it comes to actually finishing things off and winning it all there, it didn't matter how they performed or how they got here. They were, they, they are not going to be satisfied unless they win it all. That's just it.
0: Well, uh, the Duke thing for me was interesting because I really thought when Michigan State was up with a few minutes left, I thought this is it. Like this Duke team has cracked every time this year that it's been a moment that we've blown up for Shashevsky, you know. And so just thinking, wow, this is the the fitting end to it. Izzo's going to end Shashevsky on national TV like I can't believe it. And then Duke came out and played really well. So, for me, it felt like sort of the monkey off the back moment because now they get lesser – I don't want to say it's not lesser teams, but they do get lesser brands ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that necessarily should be everything in pressure, but there are certain rivalries that just – certain coaching matchups, certain team matchups that I think hit a little harder. So, surviving Michigan State changed the way I see Duke moving forward for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then you've got, uh, you know, the questions that we always have around this Sweet 16 time – are you rooting for the teams that provided those great, exciting, thrilling upsets and great stories to keep going? Or we have we seen enough of, of the St. Peter's Peacocks, right? I mean, this is this is a team that uh, absolutely no one, except for maybe alums and current students, thought were going to make it this far. And if they keep playing the way they have, that's a fun watch. But there is no guarantee that you're getting – um, particularly against a Purdue team that is going to see them coming from a mile away after what they did to Kentucky. And the size of a team like Purdue, I think, is going to be a real problem for them. But we have to decide now like, are our brackets trash enough that we just embrace the chaos? Or are we ready to just have the highest-seeded teams be the ones that move forward?
0: No, the only shot I have at being able to say I beat anybody is if everybody else also goes off the rails. So now, (laughs) I mean, I think I speak for all of America when I'm telling you I want a Peacocks versus Hurricane. Like, give me St. Peter's versus Miami for the Natty. Like, there we go. Like, that, that will... Oh, there will be six of us watching that with so much fervor. It'll just be. Uh, here's the real question, Sarah. You know my love for Bravo TV. Like when I ride your coattails to get on Bravo, like for the Watch What Happens. Uh-huh. You know the yeah, after show yeah, re- yeah. reaction show. Uh, mm-hmm. They he always puts up like a, a word of the night that we're going to drink on. Yeah. If we could just make ours the St. Peter's Peacock so that we can like say it as many times as possible on Bravo. Like Saint we should Peter's have done it. Peacocks. A, reaction a, a reaction show we could yeah. have done it with them like mm-hmm. could have turned it into a drinking game that, mm-hmm. that would have been just keep me in mind that's all i'm saying i um, will
1: always keep you in mind when i'm doing really big amazing things um, if not to drag you along by my coattails just to brag about them while you're at home so you'll okay. always be on my mind either way
0: Well, if I could just be like your plus seven that gets into the uh, entourage for the backstage (laughs) area. Working working on it. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason, Fitz. Uh, The the men's bracket, obviously, total chaos. The women's bracket has also provided some interesting outcomes, as we've talked a lot about, that have created a little bit of chaos uh, as well. But it feels like it's a. don't want to say we've got more chalk, but it feels like at least it's easier to see a path that gets us some predictable results on the women's side.
1: I agree, but I mean, I think on the men's side, too, like the teams that I have winning it are still in it. It's Aww. Gonzaga, it's Arizona, it's Kansas, right? Um, on the women's side, I just think the difference is is that while we've seen more double digits upsets than ever before, while we've seen a lot of upstart teams that maybe we didn't expect to be able to either contend and take it down to the wire or or actually win, you still know that there's a pretty big separation Between the very best at everyone else. For instance, Stanford won its first two rounds by an average of 33 and a half points. That team is dominating right now. South Carolina looks a little limp on offense, gonna need to figure that out in later rounds, but I believe has given up a combined total of 54 points through two games, which is a record by almost 20 points through the first two rounds. So you've got these teams that are, I mean, Notre Dame put up 100 something at Oklahoma on their home court, mm. you know? So some of these programs are just heads and tails above, and that's something that we have acknowledged in the women's game comes with a lack of resources. There's some really good storytelling and, and articles out right now, including people from Congress putting in their two cents about how the NCAA has addressed some of the more forward-facing issues of inequity across the women's and men's tournament as a result of the big up from last year. But the systemic issues that are responsible for the massive differences in spending and resources have not been addressed at all. And so in the women's game, it's similar to looking globally at the difference between American women's sports and other countries. When you put the money in and when you have generations of growth, there is a vast difference. And you look at, say, what UConn can do with their program versus a team that's just getting into the mix and making the tournament on a consistent basis – you're not going to be surprised at all that that they're heads and tails above. And speaking of UConn, they have not been heads and tails above. This has been gritty getting by, and so a lot of people who had them as the favorite might be clenching their butts a little bit tighter after they almost blew it at home the other night.
0: Yeah, no, that includes me, by the way, because I took him to win it all. I still feel good about that, though. I still feel like, you know, it's it's UConn, and it's Paige and I believe in Paige, so... You know, I feel okay yeah. about that. Uh, on the On the men's side, I've got Gonzaga, Arizona now at this point is probably my final. Is that where you already were? Were you smarter than all the rest of us? Uh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you already are. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. yeah. That's great. My bracket, my bracket <laughs> doesn't stand a chance. Uh, yeah, th- this is what happens every year. I fill one out every year. I think it's going to be the year I'm smart, and every year I regret doing it immediately. The question is, will the Dolphins regret a mega trade today? We'll ask somebody that covers the team what to genuinely expect in Florida. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz.
1: Tyreek Hill headed to Miami. Shocking trade today that not a lot of people saw coming. Chiefs offered him enough money to make him one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL. But he said, nope, I want the most money and I want to go to Florida where I have a home in the offseason. So he ends up with the Dolphins. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining us now to give us the Dolphins side of things on this trade, it's ESPN NFL Nation Dolphins reporter Marcel Louis-Jacques. Uh, Marcel, we just put something out on Twitter, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Before we get to Dolphins talk, is there a lesser-known movie quote that you often say that not everyone gets? Like, do you have a go-to?
4: Lesser-known movie quote?
1: Yeah, like do you have a go-to um, movie quote that you often drop even if it's not like the one everyone knows? <laughs>
4: I don't know about movie quote, but you know I'm uh, I'm bridging that gap between like millennial and what is it Gen Z. Yeah. So I got a couple Instagram videos and TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
4: There's one from uh, Joanne the scammer. She just says immediately. There immediately. You go. There you go. I hey, say it two times. Yeah. So. The other I mean, day- it kind of pertains to the Dolphins here, right? Like. Yeah. Just, they adding Tyree Kill, they become a better t- a better offense immediately.
1: The other immediately. day I dropped a Tyler the Creator on the show. Psych. Uh, that is also, I believe, TikTok related. <laughs> and that's sort of what Tyreek said to the Chiefs. Yeah, I'll come back. Psych. Um, all right. What we're asking yeah. our listeners that to at Spain and Fitz at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz lesser known movie quote. This is after me. I, I tried to put I carried a watermelon in the script yesterday when LeBron James said I had the time of my life. Dirty Dancing, quote, no one got it, and they took it out. So we're just asking if you have one of those. Uh, Um, Let's talk about this Dolphins move. Obviously, so much of this is about them saying, we're going to put enough weapons around Tua to decide what we got, right? I mean, that's driving a lot of this.
4: Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people want to ask, like, especially coming from Buffalo, I get the question a lot. Like, oh, what was, what did you see in Josh Allen year two that you didn't see in Tua Tungvaloa in year two? And really what I saw in that year two to three was I saw a front office put a complete offense around him, put weapons mm-hmm. all around him and remove any sort of doubt, you know, any sort of excuse, any any anything that could be could take away from his development. And that's what I think the Dolphins are doing here is that, all right, look, man, your offensive line was bad last year, so we're going to add Teron Armstead and Connor Williams. You had no run game, so we're going to throw in Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. You had nobody to throw to. So we're going to give you Kyrie Hill. Like, there is there is no such thing as an excuse for Tua Valoa anymore. Uh, you know, if he cannot develop properly with this supporting cast, then there are, you know, I don't even want to, like, sugarcoat it and say there's very realistic. No, like, then he, he – I don't think he's the guy. Like, then you're not the franchise guy. You're not the guy – you're not the number five pick. I'm not doubting that he can do it. But if you can't do it with the supporting cast, then – I don't know what to tell you.
0: I mean, you know this Buffalo team having covered them. Where does the Dolphins team stack up against the Bills?
4: Uh, well, you know, let's not, uh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here, you know. <laughs> and uh, obviously, Bills fans uh, took it somewhat personally. And I think, honestly, the, to the extent that Bills fans took this trade, I think there's a little bit of worry in their eyes. I think there's a little bit of concern. I think, you know, they they feel like, oh, man, like, I, I, was our window really that short? Are they really threatening our throwing? Come on, they got, like it's, they still got Josh Allen. He's still that dude. This defense is only getting better with Von Miller. Like I, I, I thought that was before today. I thought that was the addition of, of of the off season. Now that you know, I think there's there's a couple candidates you could choose from. But uh, you know, no, I don't. I don't think this move pushes Miami over the top in the AFC East. Uh, we still got to see how they play together. We still got to see. The chemistry, when we still got to see the development from Tua. Like, say, until Tua develops, until Tua shows it, then this team is going to be a paper tiger. And it's a hell of a paper tiger. Don't get me wrong. But we got to see it on the field before we start saying things like dethroning the Bills.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm already hearing the people arguing, the straw man of like, here's five reasons the Dolphins won't win the Super Bowl. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is arguing that they will? Like the right. uh, What we were just talking yeah, about, which I find fascinating, is just how much speculating we're all going to have to do ahead of next season. And that includes the Dolphins. I mean, you look across the landscape of the NFL at the massive changes at really important positions, coaches, quarterbacks, wide receivers, et cetera. And I think that we're all going to have to do a little bit of wait and see. That being said, part of our job is to speculate and guess. And where do you see the Dolphins fitting in in their division and, and the larger yeah, picture?
4: Yeah. That is the – that's the fun part of this industry is that uh, – that is, that is our description – our job description. We get to speculate and guess and, and, and come up with scenarios and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I, I just – if Tua, and it's not like they're going to ask Tua to all of a sudden become Aaron Rodgers. You don't need to start, he doesn't need to start throwing bombs down the field like Russell Wilson. He doesn't need to become some kind of superstar. The whole point of this offense, and and let's include Cedric Wilson, let's include Raheem Mostert, and let's include Chase Edmonds. These are all guys who excel at creating plays after the catch. And, And that is what I think Mike McDaniel wants Tua to do. He doesn't want Tua to feel like, he has to be the hero like he kind of had to be last season and wasn't supported enough to be the hero last season. I think he's saying, look, man, you can keep that six-yard average depth per target, but this time you're going to be throwing a Tyree kill in Jalen Waddle, not Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker. So it, it is a I, – I mean, we say things like revamped offense and new-look offense and blah, blah, blah. Like, but this is truly – a new look offense from top to bottom. It is uh, we're looking and at ouch. roughly six or seven new starters yeah. and like six or seven new starters, a new offensive scheme an offensive mind. I mean, it's, if you're a Dolphins fan on the field, it's kind of hard not to get excited about the, the talent at, at their disposal right now.
0: So knowing what they gave up to acquire him and knowing what they're paying him, is it worth it?
4: Yeah, You know, the, the, the compensation, the trade compensation is nothing. It's it's nothing, you know, you see five draft picks and everybody wants to flinch. But if you really look at it, what is the number 29 and number 50 pick for a legitimate top 10 player in the NFL for the best home run hitter in the NFL? It's not, you know, Mitch words here. He he is the the biggest threat on offense. The, the league has the off, to offer. I don't want to hear about a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick in 2023 either. Like those don't matter. Uh, you know, as as the Rams showed us this past year, draft picks don't really matter when you when you're really trying to go all in. And most importantly, they keep their two first round picks in 2023. So if for some reason Tua doesn't develop properly, they've got the ammunition to move up in the draft and and, and grab maybe one of these top uh, top quarterbacks like Tyler Van Dyke out of the U. I think that'd be a hell of a story if Tua again it shows that he's not the guy that'd be a, that's a pretty easy, you know, hand and glove fit right there to grab the kid that plays thirty minutes away from uh, from Miami Gardens or the, who goes to school thirty minutes away from Miami Gardens. But uh no, I I, I, um, I, I think they're in just in the money again, the salary cap I think is about to explode. Uh you know, it, it was down due to COVID. It's starting to climb back up. I had a couple of agents over the past week tell me they expect that salary cap to hit the 220 225 million dollar range over the next few years you know if it does if if some of this you know the, um, the the sports betting and sports gambling sites if some of that money kicks in and new TV deals kick in then all of a sudden we're talking about a completely different salary cap we're we're talking about contracts in a completely different light and a lot of the ones that you're seeing now are going to look like bargains in a couple of years so now you know, they're going all in. I, I can appreciate the fact that the general manager, Chris Greer, he said to us during the combine, we're not rebuilding. A move like this puts his money where his mouth is.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Marcel Louis Jacques, ESPN NFL Nation Dolphins reporter. Uh, before we let you go, what what other pieces are they missing? Uh, what, what haven't they got that they might still be looking for in the offseason?
4: Uh, the haters are going to say a quarterback and they're unnecessarily necessarily <laughs> wrong, but uh, they need, look, I, I think tua has got, he, he's shown enough that, you know, he should be able to be successful. Will he thrive? We'll, we'll see, but he should be borderline or bottom line successful in this offense. Uh, they still need depth at linebacker. I think they still need another, they still need another edge rusher. Uh, they've right now, they re-signed Emmanuel Agba. That was a must. He's one of the most disruptive presences at the line of scrimmages uh, in the NFL over the past few years. Jalen Phillips, eight and a half sacks as a rookie. He showed a lot, set a new rookie record. Uh, Going to need to see, you know, a couple more steps forward from him in year two. But, you know, beyond that, you've got Andrew Van Ginkle and Sam Aguavon. That That's not necessarily a a deep supporting catch. I think maybe through the draft or, you know, maybe if uh, – you know, they, they, they find a bargain at linebacker and it's rusher and free agency. You kind of add to that arsenal here. Um, I think they do need another, like a backup cornerback. They do have one of the better tandems uh, in the NFL in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, brought back Nick Needham at, at the nickelback. That's That was critical. But beyond them, it, it's no agnogony. And I, I think based on his play time over the past two years, we've seen what the team thinks of Noah Igbenogany. So I think they need another corner, possibly. Uh, again, some speed at linebacker. Josh Allen is still in this division. So as as cool as as a, of a weapon as Tyree Kill is, you still are going to have to stop Josh Allen two times a year mm. for the next, I, I mean, let's call it a decade. And, uh, you know, this is not unlike what the Panthers did with Thomas Davis in an effort to stop Michael Vick. They've got to find the anti-Josh Allen. They've got to find the Josh Allen counter. And, yeah. In one way or another. You know, and it, it might seem dramatic to dedicate a resource to stop one specific player, but you're going to have to see that one player a lot over the next decade. So you got to make sure that you're ready if you're the Dolphins.
1: Well, and if you have any sights on anything bigger, it's not just us, Allen. It's like almost every quarterback in the AFC now. It's just so stacked. Yeah, good uh, it's Lord. It's just this yeah, race in this the AFC. crazy. Uh, thanks so much for the time, Marcel. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Brent.
4: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on.
1: Marcel Louis-Jacques talking dolphins here on Spain and Fitz. Coming up, we're going to get into uh, some of those movie quotes that we mentioned because we're getting some good ones and definitely some that are too extreme and weird (laughs) even for me to get. We'll get into it next. (laughs) <laughs> it's spain and Fitz, sarah spain jason fitz espn radio espn app sirius xm channel 80 i love that marcel louis jacques was like movies i'm too young for that i only watch tiktok uh that didn't make us feel old at all <laughs>
0: what's this tiktok thing you keep talking about like a um, noise a clock makes what i mean, it's, kind of very joined
1: jaunt. tiktok uh no. but not really i only have three up I joined to do one of the like trends, and then I'm like, I don't know any of the other ones, so I'm just going to hang back here for a while until I figure out something else that the people are doing on the TikTok. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I'm I on the, the internet enough to pick up on some of those TikTok trends, but for the most part, it takes so long to get to me that by the time I'm like, oh, I get what that reference is, it's already like well past gone.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah, the, the number of times I've been like, oh, I saw that on Instagram, and somebody younger than me will be like, yeah, because... It was popular on TikTok three months ago. Right. Like, Thank you for the reminder. It
1: finally made its it. way to Thank your you. old face on Facebook. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, <so laughs> is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. I am in New York all week hosting around the horn while Tony Rialli, and family are on spring break, which has been super fun. But- I write all the scripts in the morning as we're on the call figuring stuff out, and so I can put references in there that people do understand, or references sometimes that the producers and folks as they're going over the scripts before they load them into the prompter will be like, what's this now? And LeBron James talking about... uh, I guess being in ninth place and barely hanging on to a plane said he's having the time of his life, which you and I didn't have a chance to get to, because we didn't have a show yesterday. um, And whether or not you can genuinely have the time of your life as one of the greatest players ever, if your team sucks. Um, But he said that. And so I had a couple lines about him having the time of his life and he swears it's the truth, you know, uh, from, from the, from the song, of course, but I threw in, that he had you know, the first 37-year-old with a 30-point triple-double and he leads the league with 30 points per game and he carried a watermelon. Just dead silence. Nobody got it. Emily Kaplan didn't get it, so there's the female vote gone. So is Carolyn behind the scenes. She didn't get it. The older folks didn't get it. It wasn't generational. It wasn't race-based. Literally no one understood the reference except for me. And I went on the internet and a poll said as much. 70% of people had no idea what I was talking about. But the 30% vociferously responded, what? How can no one know I carried a watermelon? People sent me mugs, magnets, stickers, shirts. Like the proof that this was a thing was everywhere. And yet the other 70% was like, yeah, no clue. Does it mean you're pregnant?
0: I, I spent, by the way, I, I, I rarely like get angry at the polls that you posted, and I spent several minutes looking at that. And then I brought up the soundtrack to the movie and just sat, sat there and listened to the nice. soundtrack. I'm like, what is, what is going on in the world that people don't immediately know this?
1: One of the great, by the way, uh, one of the great soundtracks. I remember at the time that yes. I think I had the Dirty Dancing cassette, Stand By Me. Mm. Soundtrack, do you remember oh, yeah. that one?
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: And then, of course, the Top Gun soundtrack.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Danger good
1: Zone, yeah. oh. Um, Stand By Me was all the like old school, like Let the Good Times Roll and Come Go With Me, and um, Every Day It's Again Closer, Going Faster, all those old school ones. Mm-hmm. And then Top Gun, of course, yeah, Danger Zone.
0: Was, I mean. Dirty Dancing though took you through an entire era. Like it playing it, with it, the boys. It it absolutely introduced you to that was the the glory of music soundtracks. Now I'm particularly old guy versus yes. think, where I'm talking about like the glory of music soundtracks used to introduce you to so much music you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Mm-hmm. So like it's a great way to find a different era or a different act. Oh. Yeah. yeah you can play Danger Zone all day long. Sylvia?
1: Oh. Yes, Mickey. How do, How do you call, call your, your lover, boy? lover boy? Oh yeah. Oh, lover boy. And if he doesn't answer Uh, now we're just really getting old. Uh, All the young people have clicked away. Anyway, we asked people about some of the lesser movie quotes that they use a lot and sometimes people don't get. And a couple of them went to some of my go-to movies. This person, at Sarah Staten, went with, Hello, Diane, take a look at these swatches, uh, which is a deep cut from Sleepless in Seattle. And I would say of all the movies out there, It's probably a tie between Caddyshack and Sleepless in Seattle in terms of, like, movies that I get the most deep cuts from. Um, The one I always use from Sleepless in Seattle that most people don't get is just saying, horses, 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 ding-a-ling-a-ling, which is her singing along to the radio while she's driving. Um, And it is a very deep cut, and I use it all the time. And then I would say Caddyshack. I say rat farts um, a lot. I say, don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous slouch. Uh, Looks good on you, though, which is, of course, when he's making fun of of, uh, Judge Smale's hat. And then, ow, my arm, I think it's broke. Uh, I do that one a lot. Uh, That's just like a go-to. And I'd like to think enough people have seen Caddyshack that almost all of those are part of the 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 general vernacular. But uh, after Dirty Dancing, I just don't know anymore.
0: Look, I've seen Caddyshack dozens of times, and I have no idea where any of those quotes are. That's why I'm bad. Like I'm terrible at all. Like the number of times I'll look at something and be like, "Wait, what? That? What's that from?" And everybody around me is like, especially living on a tour bus for so many years, you watch the same movies over and over and over again. And somebody be like, "Yeah, that's that's it's Step Brothers, dude." And I'm like, "I've seen the movie probably forty times. I can't quote it. I don't know why. Like it's it's a weird quirk for my brain. It's it's." It's unusual. I'll I'll admit that.
1: Yeah. Oh, Do you have any go-tos that you get correct when you say them?
0: Well, very few that are correct all the time. But one one go-to that you will get immediately that I'm surprised how often I have to explain it is just – and it used to come up all the time, particularly on the road when people were driving and they, they cross over and they don't do well. I always say, can't see the line, can you, Russ? Like that's a, a very <laughs> simple, can't see the line, can you, Russ? Yep. And the number of times people look at me, they're like, what is that from? And I'm like, Christmas vacation? Yeah. So, I feel uh, I feel weird about that. And then also- I always
1: say it's a beaut. It's a beaut. Oh, yeah. yeah
0: it's a beaut. Uh, yeah, there are so many quotes out of that movie for me. The Little other one that- A lot of I, sap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I use that for anything. that uh, the, A lot of sap. Anytime yeah. anything's sticky. Um Uh, i'll move on and uh the the other anytime something looks particularly dangerous to me from when i was a kid this is like an old batman quote but always i remember the joker saying do you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight and i say that all the time and nobody has any idea what i'm talking about ever ever. that would make
1: me feel old um Mm. i also do dishes are done man a lot which is from don't tell mom the babysitter's dead oh i've only Um, seen that like once. ferris bueller endlessly Nine wow. times I do that a lot. I weep for the future from Ferris Bueller. Um, when Harry Met Sally. So many, including Waiter. There is too much pepper. I'm by Papikash. Deep cut <laughs> again. Uh, Walter, man. Uh, which of course, Big Lebowski. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: I think you just got to have the people around you that are like, you know, getting your references. Otherwise, you just have to hope that they laugh as if they got it. <laughs> I,
0: I make myself laugh all the time with just like, this is really, weird. nobody's seen Best in Show or quotes it as course. much, but like, I always say, we're so lucky to have been raised among catalogs. I don't know why, but every time I see a catalog, I
1: say that out loud. I was going to do the Two Left Feet the other no, day, and I was like, classic. no one's going to get that either. It's classic. It's oh one of my, my favorite Oh my God, movies. so good. Uh, Spain and Fish were just fish? Yeah, fish. Something like that. That's Close a quote. new one. <laughs> Spain and Fritz and Fish. Uh, we're gonna talk Adam Teicher and talk about the Chiefs next.
0: Your radio's not broken, no. It's overtime. You get an extra 30 minutes of Spain and Fitz tonight as we get you ready for some NBA action coming up on ESPN Radio. And if we're going to get an extra 30 minutes, you know that gives us more opportunity to talk about the mega trade, the big news, the breaking drama that happened in the NFL today as we were all sitting around expecting, you know, maybe a quiet offseason day. And the NFL said, heck no, that's not the way we're going to do it. Mega trade that you just heard in the Sports Center update sends Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. To the Miami Dolphins, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's get some insight and expertise on this. We gave you the Dolphins side of it earlier. We'll give you the Chiefs side of it now from our buddy Adam Teicher, ESPN NFL Nation Chiefs reporter. Adam, always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, Give me, at first, was there a sense that this was coming in Kansas City?
6: Well, we kept waiting for the extension to happen and waiting and waiting and waiting. And in the meantime, uh, nothing was getting done. And Christian Kirk signs this huge contract with Jacksonville. And then Devontae Adams gets traded, and he signs this huge contract with Las Vegas. And and all of a sudden, you know, Tyreek Hill makes note of this. And it... You know, you started to started to put two and two together. Could something happen here? Could the Chiefs be trading him or trying to trade him? Um, because something, nothing is getting done, and the Chiefs wanted to get it done before the league year started last week. So uh, you sort of had a sense that this was possible, and sure enough, uh, here we are. Uh, Tyree kills with the Dolphins. I mean, it, it sort of came together pretty quickly.
1: How big of a deal is this for the Chiefs, especially considering they're a team that for a long time we talked about how they had an embarrassment of riches, so many weapons? This was a big one, though.
6: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this will be one of those trades we look back on in five or 10 years and say either, well, this is the end of the Chiefs' dynasty or whatever you want to call it, what they've done the last few years, or. This is where they sort of supercharged things, and this is where they kept it going. That that uh, you know those draft picks they got from the Dolphins really uh, gave them the freedom to do a lot of different things. So uh, I, I think it can be one of those kind of and will be one of those kinds of trades for the Chiefs. You know, there's no question their Chiefs are not as strong as they were this time yesterday. For instance, I mean Tyreek Hill is a one of a kind player. I mean people who don't see him regularly. I don't think really appreciate him. They see a fast guy, and yes, he's very fast, but he sees quickness. He uh, uh, runs so well with the ball. He he sees his vision is so good. He sees things down the field. He, he tracks the ball down the field better than any receiver. He He's able to, to keep running, looking over his shoulder back for the ball. He, he doesn't lose any speed at all. I mean, to find that all in one player is just amazing. And uh, so th- there's no way the chiefs are going to replace him uh, w- with anything, uh, any reasonable uh, facsimile, but uh, they can still cover a lot of ground here. And, uh, um, you know, they, they've got a lot, they got eight picks in the first four rounds two in each of the first four rounds. So they can get a lot of things done here. If they want to move up and uh, um, uh, make a move for a wide receiver, or a pass rusher earlier in the draft, they certainly can do that now. And, um, they've got a lot more cap room than they uh, had, so they can certainly uh, do some things in free agency. Uh, so they can cover a lot of ground now at this point. So, uh, you know, my sense is that the Chiefs, while they're not as strong as they were, say yesterday, they they, they position themselves in 2023 and beyond to be a better team than they otherwise would have been. And and maybe they what they've done here is strengthened and extended the window um, that they can be Super Bowl contenders with Pat Mahomes as their quarterback.
0: Adam, even if it has long-term positive ramifications, can they afford to take a short-term small step back given how competitive the West has become?
6: <laughs> yeah, even a small step back will get you buried in the AFC West now, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm mean, i, I I'm with you, Jason. I, I don't know uh, – um, what this means for twenty twenty two you know you they pick the bad time to uh take a step back if that's indeed what's going to happen you know let let's see what happens here because I'm not convinced that that was part of the plan for the chiefs that they're just going to say ah oh, we're we're going to write this season off I mean they still uh have a lot of things available to them where they can uh really own this part of the off season now now this isn't the uh you know the premium now that we're what ten days or so into free agency. This isn't the uh, greatest time of year to dominate there, but they they do have the draft. And while they have uh, uh, six picks in the first three rounds and uh, eight in the first four rounds, no one else has even two picks. And the AFC West has even two picks in the first three, uh, uh, more than two picks in the first three rounds. You know, so Chiefs have six. Uh, the The Raiders have one. The Chargers have two, and the Broncos have who I think I've got that right, but no, no, none of the other teams have more than two picks in the first three rounds. So Chiefs can cover a lot of ground, and they can really uh, take advantage of this part of the, the season so uh, or part of the uh, uh, offseason. So we'll see if they can take advantage or not.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Adam Teicher, ESPN NFL Nation Chiefs reporter, about the big deal sending Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. Adam, how long do we have before these sphincters are clenching in Kansas City about not getting enough out of Patrick Mahomes and that deal?
6: Oh, I, I think that's sort of already happened, you know? Um,
1: clenching has begun. When they,
6: won, when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, I mean, there were people already counting, already making plans for the parade next year and the parade in 2021 and 22 and, and on down the line. I mean, there were people... Talking about these things in Kansas City already, so uh, um, uh, it, it's already happening a little bit. I mean, they, they've—they've—I don't know if you can say they wasted a couple years of the Mahomes era, but uh, it certainly didn't take full advantage. That's probably a better way of putting it. And and there's awareness at Arrowhead Stadium and the Chiefs offices—that if we're looking back on the Mahomes era in in 15 years or whenever it's over, and we're saying, wow, that team only won one Super Bowl. There's going to be a lot of disappointed people. There's going to be a lot of people who feel like they failed. So yeah, that that's already happened, Sarah. That's uh, that that thing. They hear the clock ticking, even though Pat Mahomes. Is only what uh, twenty six years old. Yeah,
0: I can't imagine being at the spot where feeling like you won a Super Bowl is failure. But I get it. I understand. I just <laughs> don't know what it feels like. Uh, Adam, the defense for the Chiefs has it was better last year than it had been the last few years. Obviously, uh, where does it stack up right now in the AFC West in your in your mind? No, you asked about the defense, Jason.
6: Yeah well, you know they there's still a work in progress, I mean, they got a lot of work to do. I mean, they can't line up and even play a game right now they're they're they've got some holes in their lineup so uh you know right now um i just they're just a big incomplete there, but um you know they they again they've got some money to spend now, and they have uh, you know they can be aggressive if somebody gets it comes loose or they see somebody available in a trade they Chiefs can be pretty aggressive at this point right now, and of course, there's a draft pretty deep draft they uh, uh there, there's got to be some uh, defensive players there they feel pretty good about that that they're going to be in range now to get so uh um it's going to be interesting to see with the final product though so I, I can't give you an answer to that right now but they've got a lot of work to do they were 29th in the league in sacks last year and they know that's not good enough uh, particularly in a defensive system of, of uh, coordinator Steve Spagnolo that puts a premium on on getting pressure on the quarterback. So, uh, you know, no Tyron Matthew. It's going to look different next year for the Chiefs on Mm -hmm. defense. And I I can't tell you exactly what it's going to look like right now. They've still got plenty of work to do.
0: Adam, we appreciate your time and your insight, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, be safe. Hey, thanks, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Adam Teicher, ESPN NFL Nation Chiefs reporter joining us. And I only asked about the defense there because – We're going to be paying more attention to it now. I mean, if there's any moment that your offense has taken a small step back, then you have to wonder what it means for the pressure on the defensive side. And everybody else in the West has put some resources there to getting better. Chiefs got a lot of questions to answer. We have questions to get answered about tonight in the NBA, and we will do it with an expert next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and, as always, on the ESPN app.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you. And, yeah, don't adjust your dial. An extra half hour of us as we take you into Lakers Sixers tonight right here on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. And the NBA is right here on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. The Lakers hosting the Sixers presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Joining us now from the crypt. Crypto.com Arena, <laughs> a.k.a. Staples, ESPN basketball analyst, Roz Gold on Uh Roz, no LeBron, knee soreness. This is such a letdown for a game like this, not because obviously the Lakers have any ability to hang with the Sixers in terms of talent, but we like to see LeBron and what he can do when he gets up against big competitors like this.
7: Yeah, you know, we were just talking about how strategic, though, sitting out this game is. It really gives LeBron, if you look at the schedule, an extra six days of rest. And and that's so valuable for someone who's 37 years old and also putting in the level of work that he's putting in. I think it prevents, presents a really nice opportunity for the Lakers. You know, look, the 76ers just went to a very tough, uh, played against a very tough Heat team. They were without Joel Embiid and James Harden, and they pulled off. again Mm -hmm. a win against the team they didn't think that was going to happen so absolutely this is the NBA any night any given night these are pros someone could show up and play and it's a nice opportunity for the Lakers I think there's a lot of players who have been trending up improving along their roster to put something nice together here and, and and show that they can be successful without LeBron
0: so if they are able to get more rest for LeBron like what should a realistic expectation be for the Lakers going into the end of the season
7: I mean, look, if you can get LeBron back uh, nice and healthy, if you get Anthony Davis back um, healthy, suddenly you're a contender again. Uh, it's an influx of elite-level uh, talent. But it's more than just that. It's the fact that this entire team has been seeing a lot of improvement. I look at guys like Austin Reeves, who has become a, 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 an important rotation player for the Lakers and has improved a lot from the beginning of the season on the defensive end of the ball and the offensive end of the ball. They've got new fresh legs and blood, youthful and, uh energy from Wenyan Gabriel, Stanley Johnson. They just got DJ Augustine and he's really, um, you know, shooting the ball well, helps stretch the court. You've got fresh legs, fresh eyes, fresh inspiration, a little bit more motor on this team. So if you can get the superstars back healthy, everyone else is improving, that's a good sign. Roz, you
1: know, there's been a lot of conversation all season long about whether the Lakers should actually shut LeBron James down. The other night he said he's having the time of his life. Do you think that's just needing to find some perspective on a season that hasn't gone the way he hoped? Do you think there's maybe any truth to it just because in a regular season he's so pressured about, you know, what comes next and now it's sort of like anything's gravy because expectations are so low?
7: Well, what would you want him to be? Miserable? You know? No, I guess, but someone uh, no, argued that it's not I, realistic I,
1: if you're as great as he is and is always contending to truly say, this is the time of my life when you're barely a play team.
7: I, I think basketball is so much more than physical. It is a, it's mental. Sports, life, it's all mental. It's the most elite athletes in the world are the best reframers in the world. I don't know you know hearing people doubt that i'm like well should lebron be out here and just you know throw in the towel or he's got to find a way to keep joy in his game he's playing some of the some great individual basketball and he's a, a leader for this team he's you know arguably you could argue he's the best player ever in the game should he quit should he not be as great of a leader should his his conversation and mannerisms and his language to the media not be uplifting and positive this team still has a fighting chance as long as you can head into the playoffs heavy and have uh, healthy and have lebron James, you got a shot to heat up and do this thing. We've been watching him. So I absolutely think that LeBron has reframed, you know, this season and found ways to keep joy and keep motivation. And I'll just end that on this like, I was speaking with um, a professional player, an NBA player, and turned coach, and he was telling me something that I'll never forget you're constantly looking for edge you're playing an 82 game season you're looking for a reason to find motivation each game each season and this is a tool that LeBron is using
0: so let's look at the other side quickly here because Philly is sitting in the three seed in the east and the bucks are rising all of a sudden how is this gelled together where are you right now on the 76ers
7: well time you know they need they need they need to, they don't have a lot of time playoffs are here they got a lot of talent um, and I think that the attitudes are good. Like both James Harden and Joel Embiid, they want to you know, be successful together. James was looking for a, you know, an opportunity to, to be the best version of himself without be feeling all alone. And in a way, like when he was with the Nets for James Harden, he was the one that was out on the court the whole time. He had a ton of pressure and negative results uh, coming there. That was not what he went to Brooklyn for. So he comes to Philly, and now you've got an MVP candidate and in- Joel Embiid. I think that's taking pressure off of James Harden and allowing him to just go out there and create and pass and pick his spots. And then in turn, James Harden has come here and freed up Tyrese Maxey, who can now you know, lean on a veteran uh, do-it-all point guard in, in James Harden or playmaker in James Harden and allow him to just make heads-up plays, be a great hooper. I've seen a jump in his game. You know, I think everyone is kind of helping each other, and if they can mesh in time for the playoffs, they are a very good team.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Roz day about tonight's game, Lakers-Sixers, but let's think bigger picture. We're looking at the standings here, and we're shaking down to a handful of games for each team. Do you think that the standings are bearing out where you see these teams sit right now? Do you think, for instance, the Heat are the best in the East, the Suns are the best in the West, or would you give arguments to some other squads?
7: I think the Suns uh, need all the flowers. <laughs> they are 58 and 14. Yeah. The next highest record in this league are the Grizzlies at 49 wins. Heat, top of the East, 47. You're talking about a double-digit digit, digit uh, deficit there. I mean, the Suns have only lost 14 times. I we're talking about it, but we're not really talking about it enough. Like they're really good. They were a Finals team last year, and they're putting together a, a quiet championship-caliber run. Um, so, yeah, the Suns are what I thought they would be. Um, I thought the Warrior, the Warriors are still hanging around at three. At, you know, obviously with Steph out, that changes everything. But I'm, you know, I'm always a little bit, uh, I'm always into the Warriors. And then, <laughs> um, you know, the Heat are a great team, and I think I think that, you know, they could absolutely come out the East. But I feel that the Bucks are the best team and. Uh, in the east and at, as soon as they want to or Speaking come playoffs of teams that we're not um, giving their
1: flowers, I mean, yeah. we're right. just so used they to them They could run being this good. back.
7: Yeah. They could you, run this back.
0: You said the Suns are who who you thought they'd be. Real quick, are the Grizzlies who you thought they'd be this season?
7: No, I'm not even going to try to act like I knew the Grizzlies were going to be too <laughs> the West. But <laughs> I did know Ja was exciting, okay? Um, it wasn't like I was sleeping on Ja. And – I will say this. What I'm excited about is that's a you know a relatively young team that some people were saying was ahead of schedule. They got an identity. They are physical. They're tough. They turn you over. They play at pace. And they just kind of come at you. They wear on you the whole game. They've got individual players that, you know, Desmond Bain, players like that who have improved their body, improved their game. I, I think – when you talk about returners who have individually improved teams that have tasted playoff uh, success and pain as they have last year, and then a superstar in John Morant, it's a nice uh, formula to be feisty. Do I think they come out if they, the East, uh, you know, at any point over the Suns, I think the Suns are are still that, still that team. Yeah. I said the East, I meant the West.
1: Yeah, no, we, we, we (laughs) knew what you meant. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a postseason. Hey Roz, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you, Roz.
7: Thank you, guys. Nice to hear your voices.
1: Roz Goldenwood, ESPN basketball analyst with us here on Spain and Fitz. Again, that Lakers-Sixers is going to start up right when we're done here in just a moment. Uh, You know, Fitz, I mean, I think there's been so many, whether it's health or otherwise, reasons to not see teams at their fullest leading up to the postseason that, while I don't think it's quite as crazy as trying to predict next year's NFL, we're going to have some surprises.
0: Yeah, it, it always looks a little different anyway, but it's going to look staggeringly different, especially with some of the New York news today. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no idea what to expect. I, I, I want to see the Suns take on the Bucks. I just don't know if that's what we'll get.
1: By the way, that uh, Grizzlies-Nets game we talked about, very close right now. If you want to tune in to catch the end of that, coming up next on ESPN Radio, 76ers-Lakers. Thanks for listening to Spain It Fits.